You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. Well, today we're in part two of a series called Me, We, Us. Me, We, Us. It's all about relationships. Relationships matter, specifically the relationships within our families, within our families. Last week we started with this question, and I'll kind of throw it out again today for you to seriously consider how healthy, all right, how healthy are the most important relationships in your life? Honestly, how healthy are the most important relationships in your life? Now, some of you, maybe you're like, man, they're actually really good right now. Like, there's a lot of unity, love, peace. We're together, okay? And so that's really cool. You write the book. We'll all read your book. Um, But there's a lot of people today who would say, you know what, man, the the relationships in my life, even more specifically, the family relationships in my life, they're they're a point of tension. Um, they're, They're not great right now. There's not a ton of peace. Maybe in this one, there is. This one's better than that. But but there's so much uh, left to be worked on. And so in this series, we're having a very direct conversation out of Scripture. And here's the good news that we're saying into that is that it doesn't have to be that way. Okay? How about that? It doesn't have to be that way or it doesn't have to stay that way. And so let's hear some good news today. We're going to open up back to the same exact spot we were in last week, Ephesians chapter 5. So if you got a copy of Scripture, man, open it up, get there with me, whether that's a hard copy of Scripture or digital copy. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 would also love for you to get, highly encourage you to get something to take notes with, okay? Maybe it's the notes app on your phone, the back of the connection card, all right, your neighbor's notebook, still their pen, still their notebook, ask for forgiveness later, okay? But just, man, somehow to write down what God is saying into us. Uh, last week, as you kind of turn there, last week we started the series with me, okay? If it's me, we, us, we started with me. And by me, I mean you, okay? And uh, we said this truth last week, that healthy relationships relationships in your life, start with who? Start with me, all right? You. Uh, We also said you are the common denominator to every relationship in your life. I know they're all messed up and they need to get their business together, okay? But you are in every broken relationship in your life. And so last week we talked about the me uh, of me, we, us. And so if you missed it, go back, check it out on our uh, podcast or you can also watch the video on our website or YouTube. Today, all right, we're, we're taking a different pivot that I'll tell you about in just a second, but I want to tell you where we're headed next week, okay? Next week, Sunday, September 25th, part three of our series is going to be all about the relationship of parenting, all about the relationship of parenting. So if you like want to have kids one day, if you've got a couple little knuckleheads running around your house, okay, if you've got some teenagers, praise the Lord for them, okay, if you've got, all right, you're already in the grandparent stage of life and you're like, no, nah, we spoil them and send them home. That's how we handle it, okay? Um, next week, I'm saying next week there's going to be truth for all of you, okay? No one's excluded. Just because you moved them out to college and kicked them out, all right, there's still going to be truth next week for you. So consider this your warning. Do not miss next week. It's going to be really powerful. There's also going to be some incredibly creative and helpful next steps and free resources that are coming your way next week. So don't miss that September 25th, next Sunday. Today, we're going to be part two, and we're going to talk about the we, part of the we, and me, we, us, and that is the relationship of marriage. Scripture tells us that God created the marriage relationship, and he created the marriage relationship between one man, one woman, and one God for a lifetime. However, we now live at a point in history where we have taken God's gift, God's creation, and we have twisted it, and we've added to it, 
and we've rearranged it, and we've substituted, and we've got what we got today. And in so many cases, marriage relationships aren't working. And many marriages in our country, our state, but even more specifically in our city, and even in our church, are failing. Statistics actually show that almost one in two marriages don't make it. The musician Tom Waits once said, falling in love is such a breeze. It's standing up that's the hard part. And maybe that describes how you feel or what you think about your marriage relationship. For many people, marriage is the relationship that actually needs more work than any other relationship in our whole lives. It's the relationship of deepest intimacy, but it can also be the relationship of deepest turmoil. It's the relationship that was ordained by God, but it's the relationship that's been dismantled by society. And so let me say from the outset today that uh, I am by no means a marriage expert, okay? I don't have a PhD in marriage. Um, I've just been doing it for a minute. And so almost 14 years, my wife and I have been married, and we figured out a lot, but there's a whole lot that we're still figuring out. And so today, man, I hope that we can learn together. But my promise to you is not to give you Bryant's opinion, all right, because that's not going to take you very far. But I want to go to the Creator's book. I want to hear what God's Word says about the relationship of marriage. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Cool, that was most everybody. I'm feeling pretty good. Here we go, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start reading in verse 21. Here's where we start. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So Paul begins a passage about marriage, and he tries to help us understand this foundational truth. And if you don't catch anything else today, catch this 15 seconds. You ready? The most important part of a marriage relationship is a personal growing relationship with Jesus. Write that down. Don't ask her to write it down. You write it down, sir. Okay? The most important part of a marriage relationship is a personal growing relationship with Jesus. Verse 21 begins with this word, submit. Submit. Now, I'm fully aware that's not a real popular word in marriage conversations today, but here's what I want you to see. Submission is essential by both sides in a marriage that lasts. Now, in verse 21, Paul gave us two parts of submission. First, Paul wrote, submit to one another, to one another. In other words, in marriage, it's a two-way relationship where there must be give and take on both sides for it to work. So he says, submit to one another, and then he also said, as we do that, we first must submit to Christ. So let's say it this way, write this part down. Submission to Christ positions us for submission to one another. You following me? Submission to Christ positions us, shapes us, molds us, prepares us for submission to one another. The original language for this word submit in verse 21 is in connection with a filling of God's spirit. That's what that word submit ultimately means. Through scripture, here's what we understand. When a person comes to a place of surrendering their life to Jesus, okay, not just become a Christian by cultural standards, but when they surrender, then scripture says the spirit of God fills them and they get a new heart. It's regenerate is the theological word. No longer do they live for their own pleasures and passions, but they live for what God calls them to. Ephesians 5 that we read last week actually speaks about this being filled with the Spirit. 
Pick up verse 18, Ephesians 5. It says, be filled with the Spirit. And it talks about some ways that you show that you're filled with the Spirit. You're speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. You sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul's saying. When our life has been changed by Jesus, when we are filled with the Spirit of God, there are some new actions and desires of our life. We are not the same. And verse 19 and 20 begins to lay out some of them, not all of them, but some of the ways that we flesh that out. And it says, um, we speak truth, we sing truth, we give gratitude to Jesus. Guess what? All of those things we actually do every single week as we gather, like here is the church. We've already done that today, all three of those things. In other words, one of the natural desires of a person who is in Christ and filled by the Spirit is this, is a desire for personal and public worship with God's people. Like, that's just, man, man, I hunger for that. Like, I want to be a part of that. I have a desire. I don't force myself into it, but I walk in personal and public worship with God's people. The filling of God's Spirit brings about gratitude. It brings about repentance. It brings about life change. And all of that happens when what? When we submit to Christ, when we're in relationship with Him. And guess what that does? That sets us up for healthy, Christ-centered marriages. Now, for all my single people, and I know you thought I forgot about you. You thought you got today off. No, I didn't, man. I thought about you. And guess what? I believe that God has you here in this room, in our online gathering, on purpose. You believe that? I don't think God makes accidents. And so I think, man, he has you in this moment to hear a word. That there's truth, that there's encouragement for your life today. Whatever single looks like for you, however you got there, I think God's got some things he wants to encourage you in. One of the greatest pictures or illustrations, analogies, if you will, that somebody spoke into my life and my single dating life, if you will, um, was they encouraged me. They said, Brian, I want you to run as hard and as fast as you can with your life towards Jesus. And then you look over in the other lane and you find a young woman who's running as hard and fast towards Jesus. And you say, hey, would you like to run with me? And I've never forgotten that advice, probably given to me 20 plus years before. Single folks, listen to me. You pursue Jesus in a personal and public relationship. You plug into a local church. You love, you serve, you get in God's word, you get in spiritual community, you work hard at your job, you manage money wisely, and then you find somebody else who's doing the same. And you say, God, would you have me connect my life with theirs. Now hear me, single ladies, I know this can be difficult because you find a man, all right, who winks at you, who slides in your DMs, who tells you you're beautiful, who buys you whatever that thing is that makes your heart flutter, who creates that value in your life, but then he tells you that he doesn't see value in being plugged into the word or plugged into community or plugged into a local church. And here's what I'm telling you, listen to me. A man who fails to worship publicly is almost every single time a man who fails to lead privately. And I tell you that today, whether you want to hear it or not, I tell you that today because I love you. And I, I want to save you from some heartache that I've watched a lot of people 
A lot of ladies, a lot of singles walk down the road. Listen to me, if he's not pursuing Jesus personally in his single life, then don't expect it to change a whole lot when you get married. Because right now, he's giving you his best front. When he puts a ring on it, the default of this broken, sinful men flesh that we live in is that we start settling. So I say that to you today, to say God has what's best for you. Don't settle in that. It's impossible for you to rule your own life and succeed at God's design for relationships at the same time. You just you can't serve both of them at the same time. Marriage was God's design, and until we're willing to submit to him and his plan for our life, our marriage will never be everything God intended for it to be. Marriage, marriage that lasts which is hopefully what we're all after today, marriage that lasts starts with a man and a woman who are fully submitted to Christ. Let me just make this really applicable today, okay? We, man, we got lots of people gathered with us across today in this room and our online gathering. And listen, we're all at different parts in our faith journey. And some of you, maybe you showed up here to our gathering. You just, man, you're figuring out Jesus. Like, I don't know about this whole relationship. I've called myself a Christian before, but I don't think I'm really following. Listen, it's okay. We're really glad you're here. But I'm telling you today that if you're not walking in that relationship like I just described, then hear me. Your marriage advice, step one through 97, is that today. That's where it starts. That's not the preacher talking. I'm just, I'm telling you, everything else I'm about to describe is not going to make sense until you get that part right, okay? The most important part of a marriage relationship is a personal, growing relationship with Jesus. Marriage starts with submission to Christ. Jesus, I follow you with my life, not just part of me, not Sunday, but all of me. You get every part, and therefore, it's going to transform and overflow the way I interact in my relationships. Now, in the next nine verses of Ephesians 5, Paul gives some very specific instructions to wives, and he gives some very specific instructions to husbands. We're going to talk about those today, okay? If you read it chronologically, in other words, if you pick up with verse 22 where we just left off, then the next few verses are to wives. But I'm taking some pastoral authority, if you will, today, and I'm flipping the script. And we're going to talk to us boys first. Why are you doing that? Well, because as I look at the context of the culture and the world around me, I believe we need to lay out the instructions for us husbands in order for the instructions that God's going to give to wives to fully make sense. Okay? So husbands, this is your moment. You ready? Buckle up. Here's our rules for today. Okay? There's no elbowing. Lots of note-taking. Occasional hand-holding. Okay? That's the rules for today. You ready? Here we go. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. I'm going to read all the way through 31. There's going to be a lot right here. We're going to break it down. So stay with me. Ephesians 5, pick up with verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself, to Christ, as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Verse 28. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and they care for their body just as Christ does the church. 
for we are members of his body. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. You ready, fellas? Here's the main biblical instruction for us today. Write this down, write this down, write this down. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved you. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved you. Now, in all those verses we just read, there's a whole lot in there, but Paul specifically speaks out three different ways that we're called to love our wives, okay? There's a lot to it. Let's unpack it as quickly as possible. The first way to love our wives is through sacrifice, a sacrificial love. Paul said, husbands, love as Christ loved the church. Not the building, but the big C church, his bride, his people, his children. Love as Christ loved the church. And what does it say? And what did he do? And gave himself for her. Gave himself. He, he sacrificially loved his bride the church. Therefore, husbands, our love is to reflect the same love of our Savior. But do you know how that happens? This only happens when you view your marriage out of submission to Jesus first. It's the only way that we'll ever get that right. It doesn't happen with your wife following Jesus and you tagging along. You hear me? It doesn't happen when she leads out and you go, well, okay, I'll follow a sacrificial love only takes place when you as the husband, you're the leader of the marriage, you view your marriage out of how Jesus has loved you. Oh my goodness, overwhelmed. Every time I read a verse, every time I sing a song, I think about how God loved me. Good gracious, I knew who I was. And out of that, watch this, overflow into how I love my wife. Okay, let me read a verse from Scripture. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. This talks about Jesus. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served. I mean, if anybody needed the red carpet, it was him. But it says, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, including you and me. Jesus gave up everything for the church, and husbands were called to love our wives the same way. Let me put some flesh on it. That may mean that when you come home from your job, and listen, I know you work hard, I know it's hot, I know it's Mississippi, and you're great at your job, and we're really proud of you, okay? But that means that when you come home, maybe that means that you don't immediately plop in the recliner or hit the couch with the remote in your hand, but that may mean that you walk into the kitchen to go, hey, honey, how can I help with dinner? Or how can I clean up the dishes? Or how can I get the kids bathed and in bed? I'm just, I'm just trying to help, okay? Or maybe, um, maybe it means can get real. Maybe it means that you have to cancel or postpone the hunting trip one weekend or the guy's night so that you can be present with your wife at that event or that thing that would mean so much to her. May mean that when the bonus check comes in or you get the tax refund or whatever it looks like, you don't get to immediately just put that towards the toy or the gadget that you've been searching for on Amazon for months, but you leverage it in a way that blesses your wife or maybe it's blessing your family because that's what she desires. I didn't say it was comfortable, but I said, do you want to love your wife? And Jesus says, love your wife sacrificially. What did Jesus do? He literally, he gave himself fully up, like his whole life for his bride. And so husbands, and that's the first part. We love our wives sacrificially. Um, 
According to the passage, here's the second way, three parts of a husband's love. Second way a husband is to love his wife is we're going to say it this way. It's through, through rooting his love in God's word and leading out in spiritual things. Okay? Rooting his love for her in God's word and leading out in spiritual things. You may think, well, what in the world does me reading my Bible have to do with me re- loving my wife? <laughs> and I would just say, everything, okay? Like, everything. Like, literally, this is the greatest love story, love letter in the history of humanity. Like, the best. And so, when we immerse ourselves in it, when it becomes normal part of our rhythm of following Jesus and living as a man and husband in the world, guess what, guess what it, like, naturally creates out of us? A God-glorifying, Christ-honoring Love for our wife. Why? Because this is how God loved his bride. So therefore, it shapes us to love our wives. Let me give you um, some verses. Um, This is real for me too. 1 Corinthians 13 speaks to love. So think about your wife, your relationship, um, and how you love her when you read this. So verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Like, that was just two verses, okay? Verse 6. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. (laughs) How many of you are batting a thousand at loving your wife with that kind of love? Okay? Me either. Me either. But Scripture says that's God's design, and that's how the Savior that we claim to follow loved us. Therefore, if we're called to love our wives in the same way as what Paul said, that's the model. Like that, That's how it lays itself out. But again, listen to me. The only way in our crazy world today, the only way that we're going to get those instructions right is when we live in this word. Like it's not weird. It's, it's a normal thing. It needs to be a normal thing for your wife to know or to see you or to hear you engage in Scripture. Not like, whoa, where in the world did that come from? Like, no, like a, a normal practice of your life. Now, listen, all right, fellas, like I've got a lot of guys and they're like, man, I, don't, I know I'm supposed to lead my wife in the spiritual things, but I don't really know how to. Like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to say. Listen, I got you, okay? Just me and you. You ready? All right, I got you. One of those ways, okay, take notes right here, okay? One of those is you take notes during the message on Sunday. I tried to give you the prompt earlier. Some of you missed it, okay? But I'm trying to feed you something. I got you, brother, all right? You take notes during the message on Sunday, and then watch. You ready? Then during supper one night next week or after the kids go to bed and you got like your 30 minutes or an hour together, you just randomly bring up. You're like, hey, hey, babe. Man, I really would love to talk maybe for a second about, man, he said this on Sunday, uh, or we sang this on Sunday, and uh, I just want to know what you think about it. Okay? Now, you're going to have to pick her up off the ground <laughs> after you ask that. But I'm just saying, give it a shot. Shoot your shot. All right? Another way is when it comes to man, praying with our wives. There's a lot of guys who go, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to pray for my, I don't know how to pray for the food, but like I don't pray with my wife. I don't know. Listen, I got you. Okay, write it down. You ready? Here we go. You look at it and you go, hey, honey, 
And how, how can I pray for you today? Or how can I pray for you this week? And listen, here's what's going to happen. She's going to go, okay. And she's going to list like, like two or three things. Here's what you do. You ready? You say, dear God. Then you say what she said exactly. Just say it. And then you say, amen. <laughs> now listen, listen. When you open your eyes... She's going to be crying. Because you're doing what God created you to do. You're leading. And men, here's, listen. It literally can be that easy. Here's part of what Paul is saying in Ephesians. Don't miss this. This is, this is not my words, his. When we get to judgment day, that will be just as real as today. And when we stand face to face before God, our creator, hear me, husbands, we will give an account of did we make our wife more like Jesus? Like truth. We will give an account. Did we, did we shape our wife to be more like Jesus? Or did we stand by passively because we didn't know what to say because we were waiting on somebody else to do it. And I'm just saying, fellas, we can do it. God's called us to it. He's called us to lead out. So we love sacrificially. We love in, in taking some spiritual leadership. But then there's, there's a third and final way, and that is selflessly. Okay? And I know that's very similar to sacrificially, but stay with me. We're called to love our wives selflessly. Look back at verse 28, Ephesians 5. Here's what it says. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife actually loves himself, verse 29. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. Here's what Paul's saying, guys. Watch this. He makes it as clear as possible by saying, guys, think about how much you think about yourself. <laughs> like, I've never read a book about loving and thinking about myself, but I wake up every day crushing that. <laughs> like, I'm amazing at loving myself. I don't even have to think about it. I just do it. All day, sometimes. Like, all day. Every hour, I'm, I'm loving myself really well. Paul says, when, you, when you're hungry, when that body's hungry, oh, dude, I go get it. Like, whatever it is, I want it, go get it. When I'm thirsty, I get myself a drink. I think about, I love myself really, really well, and here's what Paul's shaping our mind to think. This command to us that when we join two together as one, when the two become one in marriage, you ready? Our love of self should not exceed our love of our wife. So here's what that means. Our standard as husbands for loving and treating our wives is not how the other guys at deer camp treat their wives. It's not how the coworker guy that you really connect with or how the guy at the gym treats or how he talks about his wife. That's not the standard. And the standard is how Christ loved the church, his bride. And he did it selflessly. So husbands, you love your wives sacrificially, 
by leading out in spiritual things and selflessly. Now, here's the, here's the crazy question. How in the world does that happen in today's world? Well, that only happens when the truth is realized that Christ is the head of the man. And I'm going to submit up under him. Here's what the word says. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3. It's a good one to write down. Paul says this. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. Should be. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Okay? So how do we have a healthy Christ-centered marriage that matters? Well, husbands, we lead out by loving our wives as Christ loved the church. Okay? That's the standard. All right? Now, ladies, told you there were some verses for you. Now, fellas, there are six verses for us. There's only three verses for the girls. I don't know what that says. All right, Paul knew how hard-headed we were. Let's just go ahead and lay it out there, okay? So let's go backwards to verse 22. And ladies, this is your moment, okay? Fellas, no elbows, no cutting stairs, all right? It'll put you on the couch tonight. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Here's the biblical instruction to wives to have a healthy, Christ-centered marriage. Ladies, write it down. Wives, submit to your husbands as you submit to God. That's it. Write it down. Wives, submit to your husbands as you submit to to God. Now, as you're writing that down, listen to me. I'm aware submission is a term that has a horrible rap in today's society. So we're going to talk about it. How about that? That'd be fun. Submission is the opposite of chaos. Submission helps things have order and peace. So let's talk about real life, everyday submission. You ready, ladies? Wives, submission is the attitude with which you approach and respond to your husband. You need to get that. Submission is the, it's the attitude with which you approach and respond to your husband. It's remembering that in your marriage relationship, the buck doesn't always stop with you. That's not God's design. Now that you are married, you're not the be-all, end-all. So submission in this moment is the ability to humble yourself and allow your husband to lead which is his God-given role, okay? Now, I just gave him his instructions. He heard them. He's going to work on them. These are your instructions. Now, fellas, don't miss this part because this is for both of us. Submission is not something, submission is not something that a husband can demand of his wife, but it is something that the wife willingly offers, okay? Think about this model of Jesus in the church. Does Jesus demand that we follow him? No. He invites us in. He loves us in. So ladies, in the same way, you, I mean, you willingly offer that. Husbands, you don't demand that. No, you, you walk in what I called you to walk in, what the Word called you to, and then watch how she follows that. Now also don't miss this. Submission is not, it is not tolerating abuse or destructive behavior from your husband. That ain't it. Wives are to submit to their husbands out of reverence for Christ. Christ is your absolute, not your man. You submit first here and then to the husband that God's given you. Okay? 
You should never submit to your husband if he's leading you into sin. If he's leading you into abuse or destructive behavior. Because really, you're not going to be able to do that out of reverence for Christ first. And then don't miss this part. Submission is not, it is not losing your voice or your identity. It's not losing your voice or your identity. Listen, that's what most people want to say. That's why people don't like, well, I don't like what church said about marriage, okay? Preacher said I need to submit. Listen, that's not what we're talking about. In marriage, the two become one. It's two sinners coming together in one relationship, two perspectives, two opinions. And hear me, both opinions and perspectives matter. Let me put some flesh and vocabulary on this, okay? If, if Heather, my wife, right, thinks that she submits to Christ and then submits to me, if I'm leading out in a decision or situation with our family, and I'm about to do something, I'm about to lead us into something, decide something that she doesn't agree with, she doesn't like, she doesn't watch, she doesn't just blindly follow me into that, like not even agreeing with me. No, but there's a way for her to come to me. Remember, submission is the attitude with which you approach and respond to your man. There's a way for her to come to me and to say something like this. Hey, babe, I'm, man, I'm really, really grateful that you're willing to help lead out with that decision. And, and I know that you've, you've probably thought about this a lot. Maybe you've even prayed about it or you've talked to somebody else. Man, I really appreciate your willingness to do that. Um, but I just want you to know... I'm, I'm struggling with that a little bit, and I'm, I'm, I don't have a lot of peace with that, and I feel like it, it may turn out a wrong way. And so is there a way that we could talk about this a little bit more um, to be wise in this decision before we walk this out together? Did you feel that? She didn't nag. She didn't control. She didn't try to grab the wheel back because I'm not leading and driving like I should. She submissively walked into that moment so, what, so that we can have unity together. Wives, well, there's, a, there's a call to submit to your husband as you submit to Christ. There's a respectful way to do that. Now, let's get real. Ladies, what, wives, what if your husband is not following Jesus? Let me give you a couple of verses to speak to that. It's very real for some people. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, look at it on the screen. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Hear me. If you are married to a man, ladies, who does not have a relationship with God, you have the opportunity to not only model Jesus to the world, but also to your husband. And notice what Peter says. Peter did not urge the Christian wife to leave her unbelieving husband. She didn't say, preach to your unbelieving husband. She didn't say, demand her rights. Instead, she said, live out the gospel. Peter said, live out the gospel in front of your unbelieving husband. Why? So that they might be drawn to relationship with God. How? Because they see the evidence of God's love in your life and in your marriage. If you're the wife of a man who doesn't know God or who's not walking in relationship with him, hear me, be encouraged. Keep praying for your man. Willingly submit yourself to God first and to your husband as much as you can. Here's some real practical things. Look for anything in your life, in his life that you can affirm. Back him however you can, even though it may look different than what you thought. Back him and model for him. 
what it looks like to follow Christ, what submission to Christ really looks like. Genesis 2.18 says this, the Lord God said, all right, beginning of time, first man, first woman, Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And so what did he make? I will make a helper, a helper suitable for him. He needs you. Ladies, God has given you the role to be a supporter, a helper, an encourager for your husbands. And ladies, can I just can I tell you a little secret? Okay, guys aren't listening. Let me just, just me and you. You ready? Here's a little secret. Behind that big, tough, macho man, never cry, never show emotion facade that he gives. Okay, you ready? You ready? Is a deep longing for your approval. And I can say that because I am one. Man, he wants to know that you think he's number one and that you think he's doing his best to lead imperfectly. He wants to know that from you. But the only way that comes is when you walk in submission to Christ and then therefore you walk in this role in your life. Now, ladies, I'm going to be real with you for a second, just personally from my life. Can I tell you the, the greatest gift that my wife has given to me in almost 14 years of marriage, greatest gift, hands down, is that she loves Jesus more than she loves me. I know that she has a growing, consistent, personal relationship with Jesus. She ain't perfect, but man, she's in his word. She hungers for it. She's in accountability with other ladies in her life. She serves, she loves she forgives, and she listens and follows the Holy Spirit in her life every day. Can I just tell you, listen to me, that is an invaluable gift to me. No amount of money can be put on that. None. Zero. And you know what it makes me, you know what it makes me as her husband do? Passionately love her more. I trust her to the highest level. And therefore, in, in moments and situations and decisions in our marriage and our family, you know what it does? You know what, you know what it means? It means I long for her voice of wisdom and encouragement and help in my life. I need her. I am better because of her. Ladies, that's what God's calling you to. Single ladies, it starts right now. Wives, that's, that's what biblical submission looks like. Not what the world messed it up to say. But you submit to Christ, and as you do that, therefore you submit up under the man that God's given to you, okay? Healthy, Christ-centered marriage, it can work. Like, it can happen. Now, hear me. I know some of you are hearing, like, you would heard all that I just laid out, and you're like, you're nuts. You've never been to my house. You don't know my guy. Like, Cute little message today, way to break down Ephesians 5, but like, not my world, ain't no way I'm submitting to him. Are you kidding me? There's no way I'm loving her. She ain't this, she's never this. You don't know, you don't know what they did to me, okay? What kind of marriage advice is that? Listen, I, I hear you. So here's where I want to close. I want to give you the last three verses of the passage. I'm going to try to help you out. Ephesians 5, 31, look back. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. You know where those words are from? Genesis, the beginning. And Paul was like, that was so good. It was so true. Let's talk about it in Ephesians 2. All right? 
Verse 32, this is a profound mystery, but I'm actually talking about Christ and the church. Verse 33, here's our verse. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife, keyword, must respect her husband. Here's what I'm saying. The call for wives to submit and respect their husbands and the call for husbands to sacrificially, selflessly, spiritually love their wives is the oldest marriage advice in the world. It's the words of the creator through his word. Like the same God who went, man, woman, marriage, that'll be good. Wrote it in the manual. What he's saying is that a healthy, Christ-centered marriage, is it possible? Yeah. Not like they say it, but the same sovereign God who thought it up and breathed it into existence went, that's what I wrote in my book. And here's why I'm so passionate about it. Because that very truth right there that I've been breaking down for you saved my marriage two years into it. We dated for over four years. We had it all figured out. We both loved Jesus. We were plugged in the church. We were serving in church ministry. Like, what is marriage? We'll just make this thing happen. And two years in, it wasn't good. We were very imperfectly and immaturely loving one another. And that truth of husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husband. That truth was spoken into us and over us. And I'm telling you that truth that is 2,000 years old begin to breathe life and purpose and redemption and hope into our broken, jacked-up marriage. And 14 years later, I'm standing in front of you, and we're not perfect by any means. But I'm telling you today that my marriage stands on a foundation of a rock and that's not my idea or how I feel on Monday or what she believes about me on Thursday. But it's built on God's design for how he called us to love and follow and submit and respect one another. And church, I'm saying today that, man, I'm, I'm, I'm burdened for the marriages of our spiritual house, of our city. I believe it can be different <laughs> Because there's a lot of them that aren't working. And so here's, here's how I want to land the plane today. I want to give you three, really quickly, three simple, practical next steps that any marriage can take. You've been married two years, two months, or 50 years. You ready? Like, you start them tomorrow, okay? Write this down. Let me say it again. Write this down. You ready? Here we go. Here's number one. Number one, seek out professional Christian counseling. Seek out professional Christian counseling. Listen. I've been in the world long enough. I know as soon as I said that word counseling, there were some dudes who went, I ain't going to no counseling. I ain't talking to nobody about my feelings. All right, we'll just make it work. Well, you're not. It's not working. Can I tell you something? Counseling doesn't make you weak. It makes you wise. Can counseling speak life into a broken marriage? Absolutely. You know what it can also do? It can take a good marriage and make it great. And I don't know what you're after, but I'd love to live in a great marriage for the rest of my existence on earth and seek out professional Christian biblical counseling that can be a mediator in the fight, that can encourage you some helpful next steps. And hear me, if you don't know one, if you're not sure how to get into that, okay, email us, call us, come see us. We'll help bridge the gap and get you connected. We love you that much, okay? So number one, 
Seek out professional Christian counseling. The next step, step two, has to do with our communication. Here's what I believe. One of the biggest downfalls in almost every marriage that I talk to is communication. You know why? We don't know each other. No, I know you sleep with them. You sleep with her, but we don't know each other. And we talk to each other when we do talk like this. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Okay? So what does it look like? Well, here's what I'm going to do. I want to help you. I'm going to give you a tool that you can use that we use in my marriage every single week okay, to help you communicate and know one another. Not do side-to-side relationship, but do face-to-face relationship. That's what God called us to. Okay? It uses an acronym. It's going to sound weird. It uses an acronym, FANOS, F-A-N-O-S. Write this part down in your notes. F-A-N-O-S. Okay? I'm about to give it to you. Screenshot it, whatever. Here it is, FANOS. Each word means something. The F means feelings. And all my dudes just groaned. It's okay. You can get there for just a minute, okay? Feelings. What does that mean? That means as Heather and I talk every single week in about a 15-minute block, I take a turn, she takes a turn. We we share what's the overwhelming feeling that you have right now. Joy, fear, stress. What is it? And we share it. There's no rebuttal. It's just this is where I am. And she goes, okay, thank you for letting me know. She does the same thing. F is feelings. A is what? Affirmation. Can I tell you what I stink at? Affirmation. So every week, you know what happens? You know what I'm forced into, which I'm trying to create this habit in my life, is I look at my wife and I'm called to affirm my wife at least one time, right? At least one time a week. And I can look at my wife and go, babe, hey, I saw how you let out with that thing. I saw how you loved that friend of yours. I saw how you helped out and did this thing with the kids. And man, you crushed it. Thank you. I love you. And she affirms me. You need it, and so does your spouse. In, what is the in? In is need. So we tell each other one thing that we need. Hey, babe, if you could really do this for me this week. Hey, I'm really juggling this stress. And so if you could help do that or go get the kids or do this thing, like, that would mean a lot to me. No rebuttal. Shares it? Got it. What's the O? The O is own. It means that we own something. Now, there's two ways that you can approach this. You ready? Own means, hey, I own where I fell short. So sometimes that looks like, hey, babe, um, I know I hadn't been real intentional with the kids this week. I let the stress of work kind of get over me. So I'm just, I'm just letting you know I'm owning that. And she doesn't go, what's your problem? No, she goes, okay, thank you for letting me know. That's it. She owns something. Or it could mean, hey, I'm owning and I'm working on something. Hey, I'm really struggling in the area of anger. And so I'm just letting you know I'm owning that. Next week may still be the same thing, but I own something. Every single one of us needs to own something, okay? Feelings, affirmation, need, own. S S is spiritual. What's that mean? Well, here's how our question typically goes. Hey, tell me how how are you in Jesus this week? That's it. All right? Sometimes I have to look at my wife and go, man, I just... I, I wanted to be in the Word more this week, but I only, I only read my Bible three days this week. Or some weeks, I'm like, man, life group, e-group was awesome this week. I'm encouraged. Walking with this guy, this is what's going on. So here's what happens. Every week, we take time to do that. And all I'm encouraging you towards is like 15 minutes, 15 minutes of your whole week where these things are face down, the kids are somewhere else, and you got 15 minutes to do what? To just get to know each other. And do you know what we walk out of that conversation with every single time? Even when some difficult things are shared, you know what we walk out of? A whole lot closer together because we communicated. Okay? Seek out some professional Christian counseling. 
Communicate with one another. And here's the last one. Connect with spiritual community and accountability. Connect with some spiritual community and accountability. And I know you're like, we always talk about life groups and e-groups, and I just don't have time. I'm not interested. That's awkward personality, whatever. Listen to me. It's one of the most important things in my life every single week that I have men around me who love me and love Jesus. They're not perfect, and they know neither am I, and we can walk through it together. And some weeks I get to look at them and go, dude, man, I'm stinking as a husband this week. They don't condemn me for it. They go, me too. Glad we're hanging out. Some weeks I get to go, hey, man, God taught me this. And it encourages them or they encourage me. Listen to me. All of you need it. Whether you're going to accept it or not, that's up to you. Some of you make excuses, but I'm just saying you need it. And I need it too. Wives, you need it. Because when I walk in it, you know what it does? It holds me accountable. It also spurs me on in my faith. Because some of those weeks where I'm like, dude, read my Bible two times this week. I got to look at my brothers and go, I just let life be more busy than the word. And they go, it's all right, man, pick it up this next week. I need that accountability in my life, and so do you. Here's what I'm telling you today. Marriage can work. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what you've walked through. God's near to you. He loves you. He cares for you. He brings redemption in broken situations. But I'm saying today that according to the word and the creator and the sustainer of it, it can work. And my hope, my desire, is that the marriages of this spiritual house, of this city, would look different. It'd look different. That we would learn that the most important part of your marriage relationship is do you have a personal growing relationship with Jesus? Because when you submit to Christ, it positions you to submit to your spouse. Husbands, you can do it. You can love your wife as Christ loved the church. Wives, you can do it. You can submit to your man as you submit and follow Jesus. Relationships matter. We all have to navigate relationships in our life, and almost all relationships come with difficulties. They can test our patience, challenge our perspective, and sometimes require more grace than we feel like we have to give. Know today that no matter how easy or how difficult the relationships in your life may be, you are not alone. Scripture contains God's design, on how to handle the relationships in our life, and we're here to help you too. We would love to pray for you and encourage you as you navigate the relationships in your life and grow in your relationship with God. You can get the conversation started today by simply texting your first name to 601-397-6111. Our ministry team would love to pray for you and walk with you in your faith and relationships in your journey. As we close out our time today and prepare to scatter as the church, let's speak out our declaration together. We believe the great exchange took place when Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us so we can know God. We exist to see people exchange their old life for new life in Christ and live out their purpose. Christ's love compels us to exchange ideas for truth. God's word is our standard. Selfishness for serving, we will serve others pleasing for reaching, we will share our faith, keeping for dispersing, we will make disciples, forgetting for celebrating, we will praise God, we are the church.